0: You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 217. In this episode, I share my 10 key takeaways from Podcast Movement 2018 in Philadelphia. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, uplevel your marketing and succeed with masterminds. I just came back from Podcast Movement in Philadelphia. It's a conference for podcasters and aspiring podcasters, and of course, those who make a living from helping others do their podcasts, like editors, software, and hardware vendors. It was my first time, so I want to share with you my 10 key takeaways. To grab the show notes of this episode, go to Sigmund.com forward slash 217. about podcast movement when I attended social media marketing world 2018. Somebody told me that there was a party for the people thinking about joining that conference. And since one of my friends, Natalie Echtel, a podcaster and also a mastermind mentor like myself, uh, suggested I join this party, I went. And there I met a lot of other people like myself. Who are doing podcasts. And the funny thing was that I hadn't thought of myself as a podcaster. And at this party, I thought, wow, hey, I'm one of these people. And I got this idea that I could speak at this conference podcast moment. But the downside with the conference was that it was in July. And since I do my family holiday in July, that's when my stepsons have day off, or basically they have their school holiday for five weeks, in July and first week of August, I thought, hmm, I'm probably not going to go. And I left it quite to the last minute to decide whether I would submit a speaking engagement or not, and last minute I decided against it. Well, that was in March 2018. And then in June 2018, I had a guest on my show. It was Nicole Holland from the Business Building Rockstar podcast, which has been in the new and noteworthy section of iTunes month after month after month. And it's funny because... I had been watching her podcast because there were not so many women in the new and noteworthy section, and she was one of those who stood out to me because she was interviewing people in business. And I thought to myself, it would be nice one day to be on her show or even have her as a guest on my show. And you know what? One day, I got an email from a podcasting agency submitting a request if Nicole Howland could be a guest speaker on my show. And interestingly enough, just the day before, I had told my team that all these podcasting pitches could just be declined because most of the time there were some people asking to be a guest on my podcast and I was not interested to interview them. And then the day later, this request comes along and I say, wow, no, no, no. This is a person that I actually want to interview because I know who she is and I've been watching her and we are even Facebook friends, but we haven't just met yet. We're not friends yet. So she came on my show and we connected instantly and we had a great episode. So I highly recommend you go and listen to the episode with Nicole Holland if you haven't already. But basically, we have a little chat before and after the recording and she convinced me that I was a podcaster. Yes, I still have that imposter syndrome, not thinking I'm a podcaster. And I should go to this conference. I thought about it back and forth. And then I thought to myself, well, I have the opportunity to meet some people like herself. And that's why I wanted to go. Plus, I knew that one of my clients, Hunter Clark Fields of the Mindful Mama podcast, who has also been on my show was going to be there too. So, I got a ticket and I flew to Philadelphia. So, here are my 10 key takeaways from attending that conference. Number one, podcasting is growing. Although it's not as fast as video, but it is growing. And to give you some stats, 17% of Americans listen to podcasts. I don't have the stats for the whole world, but I could imagine that people in the United States are a little bit ahead of the rest of the world in terms of podcasts. But the rest of the world will catch up. 65% of Americans know what a podcast is or they say they know. 48% are not sure how to listen. And this is a problem. Basically, in terms of audio, video, and text, somehow podcasting is behind because there's a lot of people that are potential listeners, but they don't know how to listen. And then they hear this weird word, podcast, and they just skip it because everyone knows what a blog is and what a vlog is. But podcasting is still a word that people find a bit alien. 80% even say, that they don't have a podcast app on their phone, but we know, or at least people listening to a podcast, and since you are listening to this podcast, you know that too, that you do have an app on your phone. So I think the challenge is the word podcast. And maybe we don't want to say podcast anymore and just say to our audience, to potential new podcast listeners, we want to say, listen listen on my website, listen on Apple Podcast. listen on Spotify. And then we might gain some more listeners. Number two, the podcasting landscape is changing. It used to be iTunes, iTunes, iTunes. And still, number one is Apple Podcasts. You're not allowed to say iTunes any longer. They don't like it. And actually, if you use iTunes, on your website, and in your link has iTunes, uh, you are never going to get in the new and noteworthy section anywhere. So please, please change it. I haven't changed it yet, but I will very soon. And maybe when you're listening to this recording later on, I have possibly already changed this on my website. So Apple Podcast still has or is the winner. But a new number two, and maybe not surprising, is Spotify even though only 24% of podcasts are actually on Spotify. So if you have a podcast and it's not on Spotify yet, please go and submit it. So if you are hosting on Libsyn like I am, it's a fairly easy thing to do. Otherwise, just Google it and get your podcast on Spotify if you don't have it already. The third app that people use to listen to podcasts is Overcast. And this was a surprise to me because on my website, I put Listen on iTunes, Listen on Google Play and Listen on Stitcher. And Google Play and Stitcher didn't come up in the top three because now it's Apple Podcast, Spotify and Overcast. A very new contender, which probably will have a (laughs) fast run to the game and will probably next year be in the top three is the new app, which was now, by the time of this recording, only a month old, is Google Podcasts. So instead of saying to people, oh, listen on Google Play, actually there is a separate app. There's a new app. It's just on Android phones. I was looking for it on my iPhone. I didn't find it until I realized this is only for Android so far, but it will be later on Apple as well. And the cool thing about this new app is not just that It is an app and it's Google. No, when you buy a new Android phone and you type in a name for a podcast, it will automatically come up and you can listen even if you don't have the app. And that's very cool. Plus, Google is developing their search engine in a way that when you search for something, you will not just have images and video and blog posts coming up. In the future, also podcasts that contain some of the search words, keywords that you were looking for. And I think this will really help gain us more podcast listeners. 85% are listening on mobile and 15% on a computer, which means it's crucial that you teach your audience, if you are doing a podcast yourself, how to listen on their mobile. Because, you know, even if I have it on my website it is much easier to have an app and subscribe to the podcast. There are 550,000 podcasts. 550,000. 250,000, so about half or less than half, were updated last year. So as you can see, more than half are outdated. You know, somebody did a podcast in 2016 and then they stopped, they gave up, or maybe it was just meant to be 12 episodes and they stopped. So only half is really updated. And hundred to 225,000 are active. That means they're regularly updated, possibly once a week. So, takeaway number three. Videos are more likely to go viral than a podcast episode. I'll repeat that. Videos are more likely to go viral than a podcast episode, which means... In connection to your podcast, if you're doing a podcast, you need to record a video. Ideally, you do it like I do. I actually record on Zoom, which means there's automatically a video, especially if I have on-air coaching or a guest speaker. If I'm doing solo episodes, I generally don't do a video and maybe I should, (laughs) but I just want to focus on the microphone and make sure the audio is really good. But yeah, in the future, based on this takeaway, I will definitely do a video even if I'm just doing a solo episode. So a 30-minute or 60-minute video is not very likely to go viral. So you need to create a two- or four-minute clip for YouTube and Facebook. And if you are doing something on Instagram, you make it a 30- or 60-second clip. And make sure you have captions on all videos. So the video is basically advertisement for your podcast episode. So, of course, you will have a link back to your website where there are your show notes and your full episode, the full video and the full audio and text, of course, uh, your show notes. But the video is kind of helping you promote the episode because it's more likely to go viral. Takeaway number four. You can advertise your podcast. So, people find it hard to market a podcast. This is a big topic for podcasters. The one thing is to actually record this episode, upload it, get it out there. And then how are you going to tell people that you have a new podcast? Now, it's easy if you have listeners, they're going to listen, they're subscribed. If you have an email list, you're going to send out an email. If you have a Facebook page, you're going to make a post. If you have Instagram followers, you're going to make Instagram followers. But beyond that, how do you grow your audience? And When these three apps were mentioned, Overcast, Spotify, and Apple, the person talking about this also mentioned the ways how you can advertise. So you can actually create an ad on the Overcast app and you could create an ad on Spotify. You could say a certain country, a certain gender, a certain age should see the ad for your podcast. And even on Apple, you can make an ad. There's a little bit of a jump, a little bit loop you have to go through to do an ad on Apple. You have to basically create an app first, and then you can create an ad for the app. So you cannot really advertise a podcast in itself. But I found this very interesting, and this was one of my key takeaways. Number five, we are continuing about marketing your podcast. So of course, you use social media. What is working really well is Instagram and Insta Stories. Most of the podcasters that I follow are leaning heavily into Instagram and Insta Stories for their podcast audience and to grow their podcast audience. Then you can create Facebook ads like I do. I pick my most popular episodes and we are running carousel ads to my five top episodes, and that's working really, really well. Creating an email sequence when people join your newsletter and they're fresh on your list, send your most popular podcast episodes to them. Maybe you send them all five in one go, or you send out five emails with a few days apart to make sure that they listen to all of them. We tend to forget that we have a podcast. I know this as a podcast to myself, and I kind of assume that everybody knows about it. But we cannot. That's why it's important to send out a compilation. Maybe you send out once a week, like I do, or once a month, like James Watmore sends out. Or, actually, what works best for podcasts is word of mouth. So inspiring your audience to share. And this can be done, of course, over social media and that's where I've used, for instance, competitions and having people tag their friends or send in a review so more and people know about your podcast. Because word of mouth, reviews, and download numbers is what's going to work best for you. Key takeaway number six is creating a podcast avatar. You can call it avatar, ideal client, ideal listeners. Typically, this is the same person that is also buying your best-selling program. In my case, all roads lead to Samba. So the idea is for the podcast that those who want to listen to my podcast are either current clients, either my Samba clients or Mastermind clients, or future Samba clients and Mastermind clients. So think of topics that your avatar is interested in and make sure you cover them. So as I was listening to the person who shared this takeaway, I wrote down lots of topics that I had not covered yet. And I realized that even if I was very clear on my avatar, there were topics that I hadn't really brought to my podcast and I will in future episodes. So this was a really good insight for me. You are building a connection with your podcast. You are not in the convincing business. So basically, we want to listen to things that we already believe are true. And yes, we want some insights and breakthroughs and something new, but we will not listen to someone that has values that are opposite to ours. Then we typically turn off and don't listen. So we are building connection, building a relationship, but we're not in the convincing business. You can survey your community for topics and ask for feedback. So, using, for instance, Instagram or Insta stories in conjunction with your podcast to ask how do people like your show? What do they like about it? Why are they listening? What topics would they like you to cover? I love this comparison with the ideal avatar or ideal listener. To Cosmopolitan. When I was a bit younger and single, I used to read Cosmopolitan and their avatar is fun, fearless and female. Now if you really look at who is actually reading the magazine or liking their Facebook page or following otherwise on social media, 20% is men. They are not fun, fearless females. And about half are married women and about half have kids. So even though Cosmopolitan has been very clear in saying fun, fearless women for their ideal avatar or ideal listener or ideal client, their audience is very different. But the magazine is made for the 50% that is buying and the rest just tags along. And that's how you should think about your ideal listener as well. Key takeaway number seven length of the episode does not matter, but your audience might care. It was again proven, again and again, to many different sessions that I listened to, that it doesn't matter how long your episodes are. They could be 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, two hours. If they fit your topic and your audience likes to listen, it doesn't matter how long the episode is. But it is worth testing if different lengths are more appealing or a different setup. Buffer, who had a session at Podcast Movement, shared that they started this typical marketing podcast interviewing marketeers on what to do in marketing. And after a while, after the podcast didn't really take off, they started to try something else. And they did short solo episodes that are about 10-12 minutes. They called them mini sods or bonus sods. And they worked really, really well. And then they stopped interviewing guests and focused purely on the mini or the short podcast episodes started to script them and the audience loved that so much that they decided to do two a week instead of just one a week. So they completely changed their podcast strategy. Now they only do solo episodes, they're all scripted and they're short and sweet and they're twice a week. So the length of the episode doesn't matter but maybe your audience would like to hear something different in a different way and that's why you should test that. I have chosen to do solo episodes, guest episodes, and on air coaching so I can hit a nerve with all different types of listeners and do what I enjoy, which is telling stories like this one. But I also like to interview people and I also like to highlight my clients. Number eight takeaway. How do you increase downloads with complementary activities? I mentioned video before, but Facebook Lives also help a lot. Now, some people do Facebook Lives and take the audio and that becomes the podcast. I'm not a fan of that because I care about the audio quality a lot more and I want to be close to the microphone and that will not look so nice of my Facebook Live. But doing a Facebook Live on a similar topic. Or a summary episode that is short and sweet on the same topic as you've done a podcast might help get your podcast episode out there. Doing extra episodes with listeners' feedback is a fantastic idea. In one of the sessions that I attended, there was a woman who does review self-help books. And she will go and talk about a self-help book and what she got out of it, and then the next episode, the next week, is listener feedback on the same book. And I thought, that's fabulous. That's a very creative idea to get your community involved and do something different and also to increase your reach and engagement. Using YouTube, as I mentioned before, videos, the full episode length, but also shorter episodes, and take questions, and use something like SpeakPipe, To get audio feedback instead of just reviews on iTunes, you can get audio testimonials. Key takeaway number nine. In your intro uh, you should add some social proof and this was an interesting takeaway for me because when I was preparing to launch a podcast we listened to several other podcasts in the marketing field and I kind of created my intro based on what I heard 10 other podcasters do. And yes, I introduce myself. I say I'm the creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. I've built a seven figure business, da 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 da. But the social proof also comes from something like. How many downloads do you have? Is your podcast popular? And now I can understand as I'm listening to some other podcasters that they've added something into their intro for the social proof. Now, this can be revenue. This can be uh, social media likes. This can be download numbers, whatever. But it gives you some authority status. And I had not really thought of this, although I kind of have this in my description on iTunes but it was not in my intro, and that is something to add. Number 10, dynamic inserts. I went to Podcast Movement knowing about this, and then I went up to the Lipson booth to talk about this with them. So I'd heard about this from Charlene Johnson's podcast, that you can put dynamic content into your podcast episodes and take it out again. So for instance, when you're going through a launch, you could add... 30-second clip in front or at the end of an episode or even in the middle of the episode for two weeks and then take it out dynamically. And I thought this was brilliant and I asked Lipson, what do I need to do? And they told me there are two ways to do this. You can pay Lipson $200 one-off and Lipson will take care of this for you. And then It goes to your episodes, all of your episodes or a portion of your episodes and they'll take it out again once you don't want it anymore. So I would say this is typically for a launch period. You want it for two weeks or four weeks and then it goes out again. Or you pay $99 a month for these inserts and you do it yourself with a team in addition to some bandwidth you might have to pay. So what they advised me was to email them to check because depending on how popular your podcast is, One option might be better than the other, but I will definitely implement this and I will give you insights on how this works once I've had the experience myself. So these were the 10 key takeaways from Podcast Movement, but now I want to tell you about the conference itself. The audience and many sessions were targeted at beginners or aspiring podcasters, Uh, Many of the sessions were actually with speakers that had a full-time job, but had built a substantial popular podcast on the site, and they were not monetizing it yet. So for me, being in my business and starting a podcast after I had a successful business, I was a bit surprised that you would do it the other way around. But that seems to be quite popular, So there were not so many advanced marketing sessions, and that's my feedback to Podcast Movement, that that definitely needs to be added. There were a lot of advanced technical sessions for editors and people who are doing the technology themselves, but obviously I have a podcast team and I'm not editing my podcast episode myself, so those sessions were not for me, but I do think I have a lot of topics that I could bring as a speaker. So as I was going, basically, experience this conference, I realized how much potential I had as a speaker. Not just doing 100 episodes in 100 days and making a million dollars as a result, but also my automation on how I get guest speakers to book and all the information. Just today, I had the experience. I was being interviewed on a podcast earlier today, and... Afterwards, the person emails me and asks me for a picture. And I was like, why didn't he ask this up front? Because my podcasting process is fully automated. When I ask a guest to come on the show or even also on air coaching, in the scheduling process, they can upload a picture of themselves. They can paste in their bio. They can copy in a link for a freebie, whatever else. It's all in one sheet and one page. And then I use Zapier that connects for schedule ones, sending it to a Google Doc where my team can see it. And every time I'm interviewed on a podcast and people send me one email, two emails, three emails, I'm thinking, there is so much need to learn to automate because it's wasting my time, it's wasting their time to ask for these things and wait for these things and remind people instead of having it automated, so I had lots of ideas, and i I guess I walk, walked away thinking like, "Wow, I am a podcaster. There is no imposter syndrome anymore so overall, this conference was great with networking. I met Nicole Holland, I met uh, John Le Dumas, Kate Erickson. I met a lot of other people that I know and that I've kind of become friends with over the years from different conferences and also new friends that I connect with. I met my client, Hunter Clark Fields, uh, some new people, also some fans of The Sigrun Show, which was fantastic. And if you're listening to this episode, I say hi again. It was wonderful to meet you at the conference. And based on all of this, I've decided to go back. Next year, it's in Orlando and we've bought the tickets already. Me and my husband are going and the plan is that I will be a speaker at the conference and I hope to see you there too. To grab the show notes of this episode, go to sigrun.com slash 217. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes.